On this lounge around, I'm going to talk with Melvin of Robopulp Media. We discuss techniques used in toy and miniature photography, as well as stop motion animation. So one thing to warn you about is the audio on this one starts initially a little bit loud. So be careful. Don't turn it up too loud and blow your speakers out. So let's do a quick advertisement and then we'll get on with the episode. Thanks again. Oh, there you go. You're back. Um, yeah. There we are. How do you, how do I want to do this? Here's the way I like to do this. So Cigar yeah. Grill Lounge, we're talking to Melvin from RoboPulp Media. Um, hey, hello. You do all sorts of cool, creative projects. And the one that I wanted to start off talking to you about um, was these action figure shots that you do. Where oh, okay. you these scenes because you did one the other day. And when I first looked at it, I thought that was an actual live shot like <laughs> that you were doing. And then I was like, oh, my God, that's actually like a miniature scene. And man, the detail you put into those is is fantastic. So so tell us a little bit. How did you uh you know what fascinates you about it? Some tips, techniques? Okay, so um I, I apologize if I kinda I'm a little roundabout about it. I'm trying to give some background and then kinda up to the press. I think I've always first of all, I've always had a fascination with like stop motion animation. Like um I don't know if I've ever had a chance to watch um stop motion films by the Quay brothers or people like that. There is something so eerie, so uncanny. Like it's almost like um, Tim Burton, the fir the first few Tim Burton films before he kind of lost his way. You know, like current Tim Burton, he's like I don't know. He seems to have nothing left to say, I guess. And now it's just the visual style pushed forward. <laughs> but um, there is something so eerie, so otherworldly, so unreal about stop motion and the the um, the act itself of collecting one frame at a time one frame at a time gives that eeriness to the movement but then when you build these sets that are a little bizarre a little weird almost like stepping into that video game the the one that's really popular not the GTA series but the other one the Resident no not Resident Evil either um it's the one they made the movies on. Well, actually, that's not very helpful. They make movies out of everything now. But it's the one where the characters are like, um, they're like living dead. And there is a character that has an apron and a giant a hatchet. Oh, um, Silent Hill. Yes, those. There is something. It looks kind of like that, like a, like a real live action version of that. And when the characters are made with like wire and like rags and like, things that are found, and you can see sort of human resemblance, but not a whole lot. There is something just that speaks to me. It's something so fascinating, something so eerie that I, I love it. And then not too long ago, I discovered um, a guy who does toy photography. I cannot remember his name, but he is on Instagram. You may know him if you're on, because you you're an Instagrammer, right? You have an Instagram? I am, but unfortunately, most of my feed is taken up with horror movies and people smoking cigars. <laughs> oh, okay, then. Um, well, this guy is fairly popular there. He goes by the name Sergeant Bananas on, on Instagram. And when he does toy photography, he does he uses, like, superheroes like Captain America, like um, Popeye. And again, the stills he creates are so, um, there's so much drama, so much, like, visceral power, so much emotion in a still frame. I'm like... I would rather watch one still frame from what this guy does than a three and a half hour movie with all the Avengers crammed into it. There is so much more and just one little still frame. And I'm like, I want to try to recreate that. Or at least I thought that at first. Then gradually, the more I get into it, 
I'm like, this is a lot of work. I, I don't really care about superheroes. I'm not really into superheroes. Like, I mean, I watch the movies and they're enjoyable, but they're not my thing. Like, uh, my thing is um, old school hard-boiled crime. Like, um, I don't know. Do you read, like, I say, Mickey Spillane? Oh, yeah. Uh, Donald Westlake, Peter Richard Gunn. Stark. Yeah, Great. yeah. Peter Gunn, the old uh, sort of noir hard-boiled series. Peter Gunn, the old black and white detective show. Uh, can you say that again? I couldn't hear you. Peter Gunn. Peter Gunn, this is a series character? Yeah, it's an old detective, kind of noir, hard-boiled detective show. If you've never seen Peter Gunn, watch, check out Peter Gunn. You will love it. I'm sold it. on the name alone, man. Like, that's one thing I love about how these characters are created. Like, um, Mike Hammer, you know, like, badass. Like, um, yeah. there's another guy, a British one. This is a British um, Bulldog Drummond. Like, it's just cool, like... And that's the thing I'm into. I'm into like hard-boiled, noirish kind of like t tough guy tales. And um, so that's what I'm starting to bring into that. I'm into like secret agents. Like I love the whole notion of like dudes in suits pretending to be someone else. So that's the sensibility that I'm bringing into what I'm doing. Like uh, kind of translating what Sergeant Banana does, you know, with the aesthetics, the visual aesthetics to this other thing that I'm into. Because that's the genre that I'm, that's my favorite genre, like crime thrillers, espionage, suspense. Anything involving deception and, like, tough guys, like, that's kind of my thing. And maybe right. some science fiction kind of thrown in, I guess. Um, so that's kind of what I'm trying to do. That's where I'm coming from with that. So you have, um, for those of you who are watching or listening to this, um, Melvin has a YouTube channel, Robopulp Media, and you've done uh, a few of your videos on there. And then you had one where you were showing how you were staging a sequence. There was a guy tied to a chair um, oh, yes, yes, that yeah. you were doing. And I was fascinated with watching that. I, I loved that video. You you put some really great videos there on your channel. And Thank I would you. say for those people out there who are looking to get into doing some creative stuff, I really liked the video even that you did where you were recording ambient sound and you were doing some tests and you had your notes and you were going over sort of what the differences were. Uh, you know, stuff oh, like that. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a great exploration of how to make creative stuff like this at home. And I was really, really impressed with that, with that sequence that you did with that guy tied to that chair, the amount of detail and effort, and you had a lighting set up and everything, uh, oh, you know, how, how, like, where did you start? What was one of the first things that you did? And, and what have you learned as time has gone on where you, where you, where you, if somebody else was going to get into this, you would say, Hey, do this this way. Cause it works way better. Uh, okay. So I guess in some ways, even though I'm doing all, like you said, I'm doing all these little things, these tutorials about how to do a particular thing how to use a particular thing like that tutorial that you mentioned that was about how to use the zoom h4n it's like a portable field recorder that um i don't really need, didn't know how to use and when i went online to look for information i couldn't really find like a tutorial that captures that like of someone going out on the field to record sound with it and dealing with the problems that come when you're trying to capture sound so i was like well let me make my own tutorial so that's what my channel is about in a way it's about how creativity is for ev for everything. Like, a, you don't necessarily have to become an artist. You don't necessarily have to want to be, like, a, a filmmaker or anything like that. But creativity is something that is a transferable skill. Like, what you're doing with the toy figures or when, like, say, you you make films as well, right? You're using in both the, the creative problems, the creative and technical and problems that come with, say, filmmaking, that's transferable to anything you're doing in your own life, in your job or, like, a, or you're starting a business, 
creativity is usually the key ingredient in that. Like when you, it takes you out of the rut of like a, you know, looking for funding, um, marketing, and all that. Like maybe something that comes from doing this other thing, of uh, filmmaking or toy photography, sparks some idea that comes to your business. Like whether it's marketing or where to go for uh, money, this other thing can give you ideas that can transfer into this other thing. And that's what I'm trying to do in my channel besides the little tutorials about how creativity is something that you can use for, not just for creative things, because this is something, it's what we do. Like creativity is for everything. It's like if you're going to buy a car, let's say, for example, you start thinking, how can I go about that in a way that um, gives me more flexibility, more latitude? Um, try different banks. Um, try get better at negotiating. Maybe you need to like take some like an acting workshop. And imagine yourself to be like a really cool, like clever dude who can get people to give him discounts on anything. So that's what it's about, really. Like you do these things, but what you do there, like all the, dealing with a little creative problems that come with doing this particular thing, so taking pictures or even the urbex. That's another thing that I'm into, like urbex. I, I do that as well. You know, how to get into these places, how to get permission. All that comes from applying creativity to the other thing, filmmaking. So that's what I, I'm trying to say that it's uh, in, in my channel. That, um, what you do in one thing carries over into other things. You can apply it to other things. It's not like they're not separated. You don't, or at least you don't have to compartmentalize it. You can apply that to other things as well. It's something that you carry, bring out to other areas of your life, socializing also and things what like I, that. What I also appreciated was to, for example, the Zoom video that you did, um, I looked at a few other videos that were out there, and like you said, a lot of them, they would either go over the technical aspects of the camera, but the, or the uh, the recorder, rather, <clears throat> and then what you would see is you would see them where they would have things that they would record, but usually it was in a room, or it was something where it was a very controlled setup, and I had a similar sort of thought on well, what is this like if you take it out in the field and you have it outside? Are you trying to use it? Like, what does it capture? What? It, and so what I liked is that you had a nice practical, and I, I've noticed this in a lot of your videos, you give a really good mix of creative sort of inspiration, provocation, and then a little bit of technical, but you don't get so deep into the technical that you don't, that you miss the mark and it still comes back to, hey, and here's how it works. Here's a good way that you can use it. Here's a neat way to explore or things to think about while you're doing it. And and I like I say, I was I was mesmerized by watching your video of you doing Thank the little Thank you so much, man. That's a, I love That's that, that compliment. <laughs> you know? Um and 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 I think people maybe take it for granted that you have to deal with scale. So you have to make sure that things have the, have the right proportions, doing something that's miniaturized down yes, to that yeah. size, um, lighting and everything else. And, and man, you do a, a really cool job with that. And you have some great artistic ability. I also was, I, I one day at, uh, after work, I just sat and watched you draw that demons poster. Oh, uh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So in terms of art, did you go to school or are you just self-taught on that? I am largely self-taught. Like, I mean, I, that's one of the things I like, the times that we live in where, you know, the fact that you and I can have a conversation, I'm here in Massachusetts, you are in, I don't know if you want to say where you are, I'm but we're not close to each other. So 
it's fantastic. And the fact that we met, I say, I make quotation marks because meeting has a different <laughs> meaning now in the digital right. age. But the fact that we connected based on right. common interests on Twitter, and now we're having a conversation. And in a way, I feel like I'm talking to a friend of some time that I've known for some time. Because I feel like I've known you for some time just through um, through uh, Twitter. And um, uh, I, I lost th the thread. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, well, um, that's okay. It's, uh, that's the... For can you remind me of it? What was the question? I forgot. <laughs> oh, it was uh, about being self-taught or training. Oh, or yes, yes, yeah. And again, one of the benefits of what we have now is that you literally had the information come to you now. If you have an internet connection or a laptop or a tablet that has a decent connection, any subject, anything from, you know, arty stuff, from financial advice, of even sex. I'm sure there's channels where people discuss sex. I'm sure it's on the internet oh, yeah. somewhere. I haven't looked for it, but I'm sure they're out there. Any subject, anything, no matter how, like, peculiar or how niche down or how specific, it's out there somewhere. So I benefit from that. I remember I signed up for like um, an eight-week cartooning course. I'm, I'm going to say maybe four years ago at the, uh, the local learning annex. But in the time that I was doing that, the person who taught the course, she gave a little um, sheet with some links to it, links out to look on. And I started following that. And you can say that that was my introduction to the internet and that I knew that it existed. But until then... I didn't really dive in. Like, I didn't do a deep dive uh, into the uh, social media and the internet. So um, I knew that YouTube was a thing. But up until then, all I did with YouTube was look at music videos. Mm. And then gradually I started realizing, also, oh, there's people who teach drawing here. There's t people who teach, like, car repair, like, motorcycle repair. Like, um, there's some amazing stuff in, in, on YouTube and on the internet in general. So then I started just looking for specific things, like toy photography filmmaking and um urbex and you know the things that i'm into and um what was i gonna say yeah so I, I follow those videos and then i started running into people like you described people who are very very technical they're really good at explaining the minutia of a camera and at first i listened to them and then i start refining the searches because at first i guess these people are what you would call or what i'm gonna call techno fetishistic they're very much into the technical aspects of a thing like they love, like they discuss pixelation. They discuss things that almost would almost give me a headache to try to keep up with. And um, at first off, I realized I, I'm on a budget. I can't really afford some of these things that they're they're showing on their channel. And um, gradually, I start finding other people who are kind of doing what I did. Like instead of like trying to get like a thousand dollar camera, they take a two hundred dollar camera. How could I use this instead? Like how can I take this rather than like get another piece of equipment? Right. And um, that, that's kind of what sent me in that direction. Like, you don't necessarily have to have the latest. Really, just have a camera that has some peculiar set of characteristics that give you some latitude, some exposure control, some ISO control. And from then, let's say 2015 to now, things have advanced so much more that, like you said, I mean, on a phone, like you, for example, actually what you're doing right now, like without getting too much into what you're doing here, um, you actually set up a little, like a nice um, podcasting booth right here with just um, moving sheets, moving sheets on your phone. A total investment of like maybe eight or nine dollars. You actually set up like a podcasting booth. That right there is actually very creative thinking. And I'm assuming maybe the microphone you're using, I can see a little bit, but I'm guessing maybe that costs a little more. Like you, you bought a good quality microphone. Well, even the microphone that I that I picked. So, like you say, you know, there's people out there who go into the the super technical audio file, you need this, you need that, so on and so on. Well, I took what I knew and said, well, I know that largely 
in this case, if you have something that can be powered by USB, you don't really have to worry so much about line noise and this and that and the other. Now, granted, you lose some of the control because it's just USB, but this microphone does have an XLR connector on it. But what I wanted to do, because in that regard, I'm sort of lazy, I wanted to be able to have a setup that was largely portable in that I didn't have to have a computer that I carried around. So I found that this microphone with a USB cable, you can get something that's called a host cable, a host bridge. It looks like this. Oh, okay. So yes. I think I've one seen of those. the USB cable goes in here and the other end goes into my phone. And I have this one goes into my other tablet. Well, your Android device will pick this up as a headset. And now I have the ability to record a much higher quality audio, directed audio. And it's just on my phone. So I've brought this upstairs. I've done it in my front room. I do these down here now. I've brought them all over the place. I brought them up north, uh, did a, an episode with my father. So, you know, part of it was, was the creativity of, I wanted to be able to take this and move it around. You know, I didn't want to have a $2,500 computer with a huge setup that I had to only do in one room. I wanted to be able to move it around if I wanted to. So some of that was necessity, but doing the reading, I think this microphone was like 50 bucks. So, mm. you know, all told I had a phone anyway, you know, you need a phone anyway. So between that, I mean, you got to figure for less than a hundred dollars, I have this whole setup down here. The yes. desk that I'm using goes between two shelves of my workshop that my, uh, I think my dad had in his basement. He had it in a box that he bought. 30 years ago and never used is like, Hey, can I have that? <laughs> it's like, hey, it works perfect. I have the little setup over here. I have my light. I have this light over here that I can move around. Mm. That's basically just a lantern. Yeah. So again, if I decided that I wanted to do this outside or on my front porch or wherever I could. Um, so some of that, like you say, is, is getting ideas from YouTube and, reading some of the things that other people are doing and looking up reviews and getting some of that information just, uh, just off, you know, online, just from YouTube or reviews, blog posts. That's it. Yeah. I think you and I think very similarly in that I'm, I'm not so obsessed with the tech. Like, um, you don't, I don't, you, I don't think you need something expensive. Like, I don't think you need an expensive camera. Like I think, you need something middle of the middle ground and then the rest is just what is it that you want to do with it like um i think some people it's almost like um the debate of like film versus digital still goes on like some people talk about like how film is better and how digital is better and like well if you can afford to shoot film use film you know if you can afford to sh buy rolls of 60 millimeter or 35 millimeter film knock yourself out and then you can ship that over and have that sent back to you Versus a digital camera that allows you to get results now. You don't have to like all that cost. And it's and some people kind of get caught up on because it's harder, because it's more expensive, it's better. And I think it's more important to figure out first, what is it that you want to do with it? Like get down to, do you have something to say? Do you have something to say at all? Like um, start with that. And then from there, make what you have available work for you rather than like buy something and then just have it set around. Because um. I don't know if you saw, I posted one video, one of my last videos, in fact, is I haven't posted in a while. I will be doing it soon, but um, one of the last videos that I posted was about gear, about buying gear, because I typically, all my gear is used, other than my phone, which I buy new because I need, you know, everything you have on your phone, you need to have it transferred over. So I prefer to have them do that. But my digital cameras, um, 
like uh, some of the tripods that I set the stuff on, some of the lights that I bought them. Almost all that stuff I bought it used because you can find it fairly affordable on, if not on Amazon, then on eBay. And right. it's enough. It's good enough for what I need. And the thing is, um, people buy something, as I mentioned in the video, people will buy something. Someone will buy like a $800 camera and they'll be excited. They'll use it for a little while. And after a few months, they just kind of lose interest in it because they bought it, but they had no real intent behind it. So they just kind of lose interest. It sits there. And then they said uh, they put it on sale on Craigslist for like uh, $300. It's like, oh, I'll swoop in and I'll pick up a camera that is practically new that only maybe has a few hundred shutter actuations. Motorcycles. So it goes back to that, the purpose. Motorcycles, cameras, firearms, cars, uh, sports gear, skis, golf clubs, all of that stuff, right? Like, you know, there's a, there, there, there's a saying... Uh, and you could use this even if you were just talking cameras. A better camera doesn't make you a better shooter. No. If you're absolutely. not good at that and you don't have the eye for framing the shots or what evokes a certain emotion, it doesn't matter how good of a camera you have. So you're better off getting something, like you say, that's either used or that's a little bit more of an entry level and get used to it and learn if you like it or not. Learn some other techniques learn the creativity of using the device before you spend more money on just a higher priced piece of equipment because it's better because better in that regard is subjective there are people who like to listen to some of these for example if you've ever heard me talk about the asmr videos there are some people who like the ones that are recorded on lower fi equipment they like the hiss and the crackle of stuff i'm one of those i stuff. love that yeah right it has so, a texture to it that makes it feel more uh, robust i guess than like clean right. flat digital audio so same with it's the same with film versus digital right so yes. it, it all comes down to it's what you do with it it's not the device itself it's what you do so i don't have again the most extensive recording thing whatever here but shit, I have over a hundred. I have over a hundred podcast episodes now. I've been doing this yeah. almost, not every night, but close to it now for a long time, and I really enjoy it. So that's where I got this microphone and set this stuff up. And yeah. so, you know, in that regard, like you're, you know, I, 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 now that we're talking about gear and talking about equipment, say somebody was going to get into sort of this toy photography, the miniature staging. What are some pieces of gear that you would say are essential and almost generically useful? Uh, let me see. Uh, um, not really sure what to say because um, How I would say get a DSLR camera, like a camera that would be the essential. But even you know, even not. Even, I'm not going to say that no because again, if you have like a phone like yours, you can work with that. Um, what about lights? Lights, I would say buy... Uh, there's a brand called Aperture, A-P-U-T-U-R-E. They're very small. They're almost like a, like the size of a phone. Like a, I'm going to use my phone for an example. Maybe they're like a third of this and maybe a little thicker. And they're like LED charge. And they have like flat white, but they also sell some that are RGB. Like you can actually change it from red to green to blue. Oh, that's and cool. they, they can be, I'm going to say maybe like one, like uh, the one that I showed you now, one of those can retail for like a 
fifty to sixty dollars. But again, if you're clever, like um, some people are really good at that. Like uh, that's something that I like to explore in the future. But some people know where to find things and actually pay less for the same for the same. Let's say you want to buy three lights. Some people are really clever at finding a way to pay less for three lights than and than some uh, someone else. Like I'm not very good at that, but I like to get better at it. I would say lights are essential. Buy like lights that give you um. Color timing, you can you have more latitude with color timing, and um, have a good life. Like when the battery is fully charged, you can get at least two to three hours of good intensity light. If you set at the highest setting, you get light because um once it starts dimming, with one thing about stop motion is that you want to keep everything continuous. Like you've probably seen videos of people who didn't take care of that, so one frame is like lit, the other one is like dim, but it looks like it's. Happening in that you get that wavering effect, you get that wavering because of the light, yes, yeah. And, um, I guess, uh, as far as camera goes, you can use either or whatever you use, make sure that you have like um, uh, what is that called? Um, a timer, like a there's like a remote timer, one that for DSLRs that you can plug it into the DSLR, and then you, or even with your phone, I think some cameras now have an app that you can connect it to your phone. And what you do is once you have set up the camera, for example, if you're going to have, you know, two uh, figures interact with each other, um, set up the timer so that once the figures are in place, you move the figures. Don't touch the camera. Hit the timer instead so that once, once the camera is locked in place, try avoid touching the camera. So if you can use a timer, so much the better. If you can do a remote timer, so much the better. You know, move the figures, hit the timer, wait for the five seconds to take the shot, move the figures hit the timer instead, but always try to like minimize the camera movement. And then I guess pre-plan ahead, you know, like, which is more of a, uh, of a technical, I wouldn't say technical. It's more of a quality control, I guess you could say, just making sure that the camera is in place and get everything you need from that setup before you go and move the camera, because you won't be able to get it exactly there. If you decide that, Oh wait, I need it more. I need it more frames from that. So, so those two things I think are the most important ones uh, for set building. It's really not important because you can go to Dollar Tree or Dollar General and buy foam board for $1, you know, like an 18 by 24 sheet of uh, $1, and then just cut it and paint it, and that's it. Yeah. But those two things, I would say lighting and a timer, something that allows you to um, operate the camera remotely. That really, uh, those two are the two things that I would say the most important for that. And the rest is just imagination. You know, figure out why you want to do that, not just because someone saw it because it looks cool, but... It has to speak to you because another thing is you have to be patient. It takes a long time to create one minute of motion. It takes a really long time of just moving these things one millimeter, taking a picture, moving it one millimeter. So you have to be patient. You have to be into it. So I would actually recommend that as a, as a therapy of sorts. You I have think to people... like immerse yourself, concentrate, just focus on that, make sure that everything, you're not moving it too much. So, yeah, I would recommend that for someone maybe – I don't want to say – it's probably for something to say someone with PTSD, but – if you're a person prone to nervousness or maybe stress or something like that, I would recommend that. I think it's actually very um, de-stressing to just immerse yourself in just you and this little action figure, just immersing yourself into getting 30 seconds of motion. Just start with that and then build from that. Uh, sorry, I interrupted you before. Go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, I, I was going to say, I think people forget that, you know, when you're watching even just, you know, your regular old school television program, that's 30 frames in a second. So that's 30 of those per one second of movement. If you go too fast, 
right, then things will look like they're moving super slow. If you go too slow, then things look like they're moving around at hyperspeed. So yes, I imagine yeah. you have to be careful with not moving things too fast or moving them too slow. So maybe that's where like storyboarding something out or drawing out the scene so that you have that pre-planned and kind of plan that out in sort of the timing. Hey, I know that I want this to take 10 seconds. It's like, okay, so you need to have that many movements so you can divide that stuff out. I imagine that, that that's a disaster if you get halfway through and then realize, oh, shit, I moved this too fast or I moved this over here. I mean, to yes. have to go back and do that from the beginning would be just a, a horrendous, horrendous process, a very arduous process. I have a lot of respect for animators now. Like, it's something that you have to like to do. Like, when I see people who make like full scale productions, it's amazing. But the thing is, I'm, from watching videos from them, I've learned tricks to shorten the time. And um, one thing that I found is actually 12 to 15 frames is actually good enough. And in yeah. some instances, you can even get away with eight frames. Like, for example, anything involving an action scene where you have, like, really big movements, you can actually get away with draw with doing less. So, um, I would, yeah, that's another, I guess that's another recommendation. Watch what other people do. Look on YouTube, people who make stop motion. And I would say try to stay away from anything Hollywood produced because, again, they have a large budget. They have, like, everything they need. But rather look for people who are doing it for themselves. Like, there is a channel. I cannot remember what it is, but... um. They do like 12 inch um, G.I. Joe uh, little sketches and they are hilarious. Like um, the, there is like um, the guy's in the cell, but he's singing some song and it sounds like he forgets the lyrics. So he kind of suddenly the song changes and he changes the way he's dancing. And then someone comes in and throws him on a table, like interrogating him. It, it's hilarious. It was so much fun to watch it. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. Like this, they're doing it for themselves. Whoever these people were, if I remember the channel, I'll send you the link and you can post it on a future episode. Yeah, please but, do. Uh, it was just fun to watch it. Like you could tell, these guys were just having fun. They were just doing it for themselves, and it was hilarious to watch it. So I would say watch those. Like you, and in some cases, they have behind the scenes, so there's a little bit of knowledge there. Some of them have Instagram and Twitter, so they are. You can probably hit them up for advice. That's another aspect of like uh, the fantastic times that we live in. That a lot of these things that you see on YouTube, the people are available. You can actually ask them on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. You can just approach them and ask them for advice. Just like yeah, like now, yeah. Just like, yeah, I'm impressed at what you did with a, for, to create a podcast. And the thing is, that rather than wait until you had all this expensive equipment and a booth and all that, having to build it, you were able to do this. That enabled you to just get started quickly. Right. Because you, you wanted to do that. You wanted to just have that voice out there. And it's expanded, right? You made friends doing this. You reach out to people. People have reached out to you. And oh, that's, that's more important. Cool people, yeah. Some yeah, really nice people. Sorry. Really good conversations. Um, you know, a wide variety of people from a wide variety, uh, you know, of walks of life, some people that have done some charities, you know, I was just talking to somebody from the UK, she's doing a charity for a children's hospital and, uh, actors, actresses, um, mm. and people making movies, people making art, people who've done music, uh, Flixology 101, he has his website. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you can do out there. And I always tell people that, you don't have to spend a whole lot of money. Um, and there's a lot that you can even find at thrift stores, maybe just laying around your house um, that you can just use if you have some thought. So part of the reason why this conversation to me is very interesting, my niece, she made a stop motion, actually, I think three or four little stop motion videos because, again, they were sort of stopped up in their house with uh, COVID. So oh, this is during lockdown? 
yeah, looking for something to do. And she made these little stop motion videos and I thought they were fantastic. And she just made them with little stuff that she just sort of had around the house, these little figures and whatnot. I told her, I said, you did a really good job with that. You should like, keep it up. Don't stop. Like stay with it. Keep doing it. Yeah. 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 Uh, did a, did a great job. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that she, you know, I'm going to send this video to her after the fact and say, Hey, like, you know, here's some other people that are doing this and here's some other ideas and things that you can do. Cause I think that's very cool. I, I grew up, you know, I'm, I love horror movies, but some of the first horror movies that I watched were with my dad. And he was a fan of a lot of the horror science fiction movies from his childhood, Ray Harryhausen in particular, mm. all of his stop motion with those creatures, flying saucers, uh, you know, Sinbad, uh, uh, beast from 20,000 fathoms, a uh, million miles. Away. And I love that. And I always, I always thought that those creatures and monsters in a lot of ways looked better and more realistic than the stuff that they do today with CG. Yes. Yeah. I feel the same. I remember watching one of the Sinbad movies. I can't remember which one, but uh, maybe the seventh voyage of Sinbad, the one where he has to fight with the skull, with the skeletons. I think it's and the seventh. It's picture. magical when you're a kid and you watch that. Like uh, you're like your head is just blue. How? Like how is this? How? Like you want to go there? Like and then the Technicolor and all that just adds to that effect. Every now and then, actually on Twitter, someone posts a uh, like a little like a little time last video of Harry uh, Housen doing that with one of those skeletons, like doing the positioning. It, and it's awesome to see that. It's so cool to see that. Like I love to see that effort, that intensity, that yeah. sort of deep dive that goes into it that again has to be some kind of passion because it takes so long to do that that you just immerse yourself in and you forget time you forget everything yeah it's he had such an eye too for like the movement of tails with the monsters and their eyes and their facial mm. expressions um and, and that's another thing the those little details things like fingernails and toenails moving and you know, eyes and ears and nostrils flaring as they sort of looked around, you know, furtive movements like a cat, you know, when it's stalking yeah. the way that they. Did she of... made horror films and did she made this, uh, the stop motion horror then? So she's, you know, she made she made these a couple of them, I think, were for school. One of them was for a comp it's just a little local film competition. And, uh, you know, I I've I've thought about hey, maybe for Christmas or something this year, either getting her a better camera or a better setup. But my my thought is, hey, realize that there's other channels and videos out here of doing stuff. Watch them for those ideas, just like you were saying earlier. Watch what they're doing. You know, you can get figures and position them. You could get one of those wooden models to see what it looks like if you move a leg. Like, hey, walking, you know, like walking isn't just moving your feet like sticks back and forth you have to get the movement of the foot right and everything else right like if you really wanted to make that truly look lifelike so i feel like there's a great deal of artistic value in doing something like that framing your shots lights positioning setting up a scene the details of the actors and creating drama. I feel like there's a lot to that that people might just initially dismiss as, oh, you're just taking pictures of toys. It's like, no, like, think about that a little bit and the aspects of things that go into it. It's like anything. It, it might seem super simple if you explain it super simple, 
But if you get into the fine details of that stuff, like it's actually really impressive. It is, yeah. But um, it's like, as you point out, yeah, there has to be something else. It's something, there's some drive other than just simply taking shots of, of toys. You know, like there is something else. You want to make the toy come alive or maybe you want to be ironic and you want to make the toy say, the toy act like a person. Like there is some intent, there is something. And that is usually the difference between something that looks really clean and polished but doesn't say anything and something that might look rough, as you pointed out earlier, but has life to it. It's some intent. There was something that you wanted to do and you treated that thing like with, and you were making, doing the thing with that purpose behind it. Like maybe it was to just make the adult come alive in, 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 for yourself or um, you wanted to scare someone or tell a horror story about a doll coming to life. Like there is some intent versus someone who just simply wants to look at what a pretty thing I made. That usually is cold because it has nothing behind it. It's like very perfectly lit and um, it, it looks good, but it, it's just flat. It has no life to it. It, it doesn't have anything. Yeah, you can, buy, you can buy better cameras. You can buy better lights. You can buy all sorts of better, 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 better. But the one thing you can't buy is character and soul. So yes, yeah. make sure that you have that down before you spend a whole lot of money on a bunch of gear. Yes, yeah. Actually, the, the name that I use, Robopulp, it partly comes from that. Like, the pulp part of the, that name comes from Pulp Fiction, you know, from the old, like we talked about earlier, the old school uh, hard-boiled Pulp Fiction, but also from a certain roughness. Like, I don't like things when they look too clean and perfect because I think that it's very easy. We live in a time that it's very easy to do that. You can take a camera and you can light things in a way that looks perfect, but as it, it doesn't communicate anything. Versus something that maybe only has one light source and then you have a little bounce board on the other side. And then maybe um, something that I've done a couple of times is that I take like glow sticks and I light it with glow sticks because I like the way that looks. That, the, you know, like those little kid things that kids use at raves. Oh, yeah, <laughs> little, yeah. Yeah. Right. They yeah, have like have, pink, uh, uh, orange, yellow. Yep. And I like that glow. And I'll sometimes like things with that just because I like the way it looks. I, I like that particular soft glow. It, it, it's probably not correct if you go from like the film school point of view. But I'm like, I like it. It looks interesting. So I want to go with right. that. Yeah. Yeah, it, looks haunt it looks haunting. Yeah. And it probably doesn't look right, but it looks interesting. And I think I favor interesting more than correct because that's always changing. You know, something becomes trendy and then eventually it'll pass. And if you follow the trend... You're always going to be like, you're never going to have something because it's not, it doesn't come from you. You're just following trends. You're just doing what's popular. And it's something that is like here and gone so quickly. Like, I don't know, when we were kids, I'm thinking a trend used to last more. I feel like trends now are so quick that in the time that we're talking, something probably trended for 50 minutes and it's not gone. <laughs> Whereas when we were kids, I feel like something trended more. Like it was longer. It had a longer shelf life. Right. But trends now are like in a moment gone. So cultivate instead something that speaks, says something to you. And if that passion is there, I think that will communicate itself on the video or the photography or the drawing or whatever it is that will communicate. And in time, you will be the one uh, starting the trend because people will start imitating you, even if they don't like it at first. If you stay with that, if you let that thing guide you, eventually you will, people will be imitating you. I want to take two, two seconds. I say two seconds, but it'll be longer than two seconds. And just for a moment, talk about glow sticks and light sticks. <laughs> I have a fascination with glow sticks and light sticks. Where and does in it fact, come from? Well, if, so here's the thing. 
I I back in the day, especially around here, I don't know if this hit where you at, but they had that period of time when the lights went out, when there was that massive power outage. And you take for granted how dark dark gets when all the lights are out. Now flashlights are great, but you have bulbs, you have batteries, you have circuits, you have XYZ one, two, three. Fire is nice, but you have to watch out for fire because you can light stuff on fire. You can set yeah block on fire. <laughs> but they sell these light sticks that are listed as like military grade light sticks. Some mm -hmm. of them will burn for 14 to 16 hours, if I recall. Wow. And they're pretty large. And when you light those, they put off a, a fair amount of light. Like, they're pretty bright. Intense light. And so I always say is, hey, if you're going to make a bag or if you carry a purse or a backpack or whatever, put one light stick in there. You never know when that may save your ass. You never know your car could break down and your battery could go. And now you're out there in the dark fumbling around with your phone but you need your phone to make phone calls to get help. So don't yeah, you waste don't want to use the your batteries on the right? your phone battery and the flashlight. Yeah, right. A phone is a shitty flashlight. Get a fucking flashlight. Like, well, that's pretty cool. Like, can you send me links to that? Because I didn't know about these light sticks, but I I like them, and I want to. I'll get a few of those. <laughs> That'll yeah. last me a lot more than the ones that I buy like for a dollar at the like the dollar yeah. store. Yeah, you can get, you can get, I, I'll look them up, I'll send them your way. You can get. Thank you, yeah, no, I, I'm interested, I mean, that sounds perfect. That will be, like, fantastic, too, because I think um for, like, urbexing, I will probably buy a few of those and take them with me. Oh, they're incredible. And even, and even from the idea of, you know, we've used them when I've done some certain backpacking, you know, you use them to light stuff so that you don't trip over it in the dark, too. If you're going to leave an area and come back, you could just throw a light stick on the ground and you don't have to worry about it getting broken or lighting on fire or anything else. You can kind of just leave it and then you can see it in the distance. And then when you come up on it, that area already has some light. So you're not walking into a bright spotlight that blinds you, blinds but also you, yeah. it's enough so that you don't, you know, if you have a tent, you don't trip over your tent. You know, you can hang them from your tent lines or your guy lines so that you don't walk into them and you don't hang, you know, clothesline yourself. So we've I've used them in a whole lot of scenarios. Light sticks are awesome. I love light sticks. <laughs> no, that's perfect. You know, that, I didn't know about that type, but I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, because, I mean, that, that sounds perfect. Like, I, I would probably see myself using them a lot, actually. The, the yeah, ones you described. They're relatively, you know, they're, they're, they're not that expensive. And like I say, some of the, some of the heavier duty ones, they burn for a long time. I mean, you can light those at night and they'll still be lit in the morning. I mean, they're, they're pretty heavy duty. No, that sounds perfect. I mean, I'm interested. Yeah, definitely. Let me know when you have a chance. Yeah. But, um, going back to what I said, yeah, like it goes back to that. It goes back to a purpose and then just, you know, applying creativity to that particular purpose, the thing that you're trying to do. And when you immerse yourself in that little project, what you do there um, carries over to other things. Like, uh, for example, to use your knees as an example. Like, I'm sure, like, um, from that, that thing she did, first of all, it relieved her boredom because she was probably, you know, stuck at home, not being able to do anything. It right. relieved her boredom. But she probably gained a ton of skills that are probably helping her in school now. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if she's doing better at school now from what she's been doing during lockdown, even though it wouldn't be sensible. Like, it was, she wasn't, like, reading books. or I'm sure she was, but... Like she wasn't doing homework. She wasn't doing, she was doing films, but I'm sure that nevertheless, what she did carried over into her other, other things she does in her regular life. Well, in like the, uh, you know, the, so she and her sister, they've always been big readers, you know, the, the very smart girls, but 
when you know what I try to tell her is, hey, the editing, just using the editing software to put this together, all the rest of the stuff, like those are skills that, you know, if if you decided to continue on with that, like that's a huge industry. Mm. Even just knowing how to use the video editing software and putting that stuff together. And she put music in it and she did little titles and stuff in there. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it was like a thing. I'm sure she knows like a ton of stuff now and like what she learned there. She can apply that to learning how to use other kinds of software for something that may not be related to filmmaking. But nevertheless, it'll it's like skills have more skills. It like enhances her skills. But they were enhanced by that time that she invested doing something for fun and just to relieve the boredom of being stuck at home. So it's, like I said, it's transferable. Like the skills are transferable. That creativity right. that she applied there, she can apply it to other things in her schoolwork and her life and all that. So that's, a, that's what I'm about. That's what Robopulp is about, really. In some ways, that's the deeper purpose of Robopulp. Besides just doing all these things that I enjoy doing, you know, toy photography, urbexing, filmmaking, and all that. And it's the same with you, I guess, too, right? When you do your filmmaking and all that, you take that and you apply it to, for example, podcasting. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, I've I like the the narration stuff that I've done, whether that was trying to do the different characters on my own, or reading a different story, or just reading a blog post, or trying to do these interviews, you know, uh, all that stuff, right? Like I, it, for me, it's it's an outlet in a creative part of life that I I don't really get to deal with otherwise. You know, I don't have this as a professional job day in and day out. So you learn it and you experiment with it and you play with it in your off hours. Now, some of those, for example, we had a project at work where we needed some voice recordings. Well, I said, rather than hire or pay for play, I'll do it because I, I know how to do it now because I've done it. You already it, did you know. it. Yeah, doing it for yourself. Yeah. Right? It's interesting so, you mentioned that actually because one thing I haven't tried, but I would love to do is... um. Uh, audio drama like i love that form of storytelling too when you have actors you know reading lines and you have sound effects and transitions and all that i love that stuff too in general i like storytelling in all its forms like i'm not limited to film i love comics i love books i like audio drama too it's just as, as valid a medium of telling stories as you know print or visuals and all that so it's a, that's something you're interested in the near future we can talk about that doing yeah, something nice. audio related Oh, absolutely. Because you already have the, the foundation. You already understand audio. <laughs> if you ever need a voice for a character, just let me know. And I'm then, thinking about that as I'm listening to you. Like, what could I use? What could I use his voice for? You know, like, a, it's too bad we couldn't get um, a Flix. A Flix. Um, oh, I forgot his name. I don't want to say his name out loud, but um, Flixology 101. Flixology. It's too bad he couldn't join us. I would have loved to hear what he sounds like. Well, I, I have heard him actually because I, I listened to your some earlier episodes, and I kind of have an idea what his voice sounds like. So I'm thinking, uh, where can I put these voices to use? <laughs> and uh, you know, if you look on if you look on Twitter, so Astro Radio Z. He, he's oh the- yes, yeah. Yep. And uh, Lurking Transmission. So there's a lot of guys out there. The Lurking Transmission in particular, if you listen to some of his episodes, he's done them sort of like these old science fiction radio show broadcasts where he has yes, characters yeah. telling a story and he breaks them up. I mean, really, really a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun. Did, that- yeah. I need to listen to him, actually. He has a voice, too, because he has a southern accent. Like, I, I guess you and him have talked also. And yes. uh, it would be cool to put that to use as well. And I don't know if you remember when he had the adventures of the um, the detective, the uh, 
the Constantine type of de detective. Mm -hmm. I actually did some supplementary sto comic book illustrations for it. I don't know if he ever showed you those. Oh, yeah, he man. Just yeah, you're, yeah, you're going to send those my way, man. That's really cool. Well, the thing is, he has them now. I sent them to him in Georgia. <laughs> so he has them. But um, ask him to send you like P um, G JPEGs of them. Because, uh, yeah, I gave it to him. I was, I was like, yeah, take this because I, I need to get rid of some stuff. So I'll throw these out if you don't want to keep them, you know. So he has them now. But ask him to send you JPEGs. But that's something we can do because I remember watching one audio drama. I cannot remember the name now. But they, they started doing audio drama. And eventually... They became like a multimedia thing where like they still do the other drama, but eventually they started taking like voice like segments of scripts that didn't make it into their audio dramas, and they started building those up into like little side chapters, and they actually released those as comic books as illustrated little stories, and mm. it's really cool like the fact that they started doing this thing and then eventually it became another thing, and I I love that so again we're open I can definitely discuss all that that's part of the reason why I'm on Twitter like I'm looking for people who do these things like um this is my second go around on Twitter the first time I joined Twitter I didn't understand social media so I was almost like a puppy when first like <laughs> you know like it was like that click this like that like retweet like I didn't understand that there was a method to social media right so now that I have this other this new um uh, profile I'm a little more focused now but the first time it was just like random it was just wild I didn't I did not understand it at all I didn't really understand what social media was how you can make it work for you so now to what level they want to privacy but that's what I'm looking for people who are into the so from here that's great, man. You know, and it's it it's been uh, a lot of fun talking to you about this. The next time that we get together and talk, we'll have to talk about some of your urban exploration um, endeavors. But I wanted to sort of keep this topical and talk about your toy slash miniature photography and get some ideas on there about the stop motion stuff. So we'll definitely have to talk again and. Yeah. Uh, that time we'll talk about some of the urban exploration. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who will find that very fascinating. Uh, so you can tell us some about some of your adventures and tips with the urban exploration. Um, I don't know if you can still hear me. It looks like your video is uh, freezing or stuttering a hey. little bit on on your end. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. It's back now. Okay, came back. Uh, the, I lost the connection for a few seconds, so I missed what you said a few seconds ago, like maybe 15, 20 seconds ago. I uh, was just saying that next time uh, you come back, we'll have to talk about the urban exploration. I'm sure that there's a lot of people that will be interested in hearing about your adventures and some of the tips and stuff you have for urban exploration. But for this episode, I wanted to focus on sort of the miniature photography, the stop motion stuff. I think that's super cool. I hope you continued to do it. Um, absolutely, uh, you know, if, if you can, keep making those YouTube videos. I love watching those. They're a lot of fun. Um, you, have, you have a really good artistic eye, very good creative skill. Um, so if you, if you don't follow RoboPulp Media, please go to YouTube, look up RoboPulp Media, drop them a follow on there. Also, drop them a follow on Twitter, so you can talk to him about all the fun, creative stuff that he has to do there. So, Melvin, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate you Likewise. taking some time out of your night. 
No, not at all. Thank you for listening to me. Yeah, I've been wanting to connect with you for some time, but I guess we couldn't get our schedule straight. So it's pretty cool that it finally happened. And hopefully it's just the beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're all busy. It gets tough. It gets hard to, to nail these down after work when everybody's got stuff to do. But we'll absolutely uh, have another talk and talk about this stuff more often. So uh, if there's anything else you want to shout out, Melvin, before we say goodbye, uh, here's your chance. Um, I'm, I'm caught. I can't think of anything, but you did a great plug and thank you for the, that was very encouraging. So I definitely want to make more videos. I, that was very, uh, encouraging what you just said. Like, I, that was very, um, supportive. Like I, I love hearing that because I don't usually get much feedback on the thing itself. So that's actually really cool to hear that. So I'll definitely make more videos. Yeah, <laughs> and in the see. future, like I said, collaborations as well. If we want to, if you want to join me for a particular video that I need help with or any topic, anything like that, we can definitely talk about that. You ever need you ever need a voice, you know where to find me. All right, yes. <laughs> on the interwebs. But yeah, it's hard to get feedback on some of that stuff, and it can get discouraging when you do a lot of it and you don't really get a lot of comments, you don't get a lot of feedback. But I will say that, hey, at least I watch that. I find it very entertaining. I find it very informative. I've loved watching those videos. You know, I often, when I sit down, uh, sometimes at the end of the night, that's a nice, uh, to me, a very relaxing and intriguing sort of a thing to watch so absolutely man keep making them uh you know we'll we'll shout you out on twitter as well so again absolutely if you can stop by check out robo pulp media very nice guy melvin again thank you so much i really appreciate it sounds like we're about to lose each other <laughs> well i guess you better say goodbye before it goes for real <laughs> We'll never, we'll never lose each other, Melvin. We'll always be together. <laughs> well, have a good night, and thank you so much for the invitation. I had a great time. Hey, man, thank you so much. The pleasure is all mine. So um, that'll be it. That's the end of the episode. 